You're listening to Left of the Dial. I'm your host, Andrea. And today I am very excited to introduce our guests. Andorra's a Philly band. Uh, they've been around for like a decade. I'm saying like a decade, but they've been around for, for a decade. Um, they're here hot off the release of their newest album, Boogie Night Blues, uh, the debut of which is celebrated right here in Philly with a show at Milk Boy earlier this month. Fans of Andorra will, uh, I would say, definitely notice a little bit of a shift in sound for the band. Um, and I'm really excited to dig into it. So I'm going to stop talking about them and start talking to them. Welcome, uh, Left of the Dial. Andorra, hi, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm I'm good, thank you. How are you guys doing? Good, very good. Um, let's start real quick because I don't have all of Andorra with me. Let's um go around the horn as it were and let listeners know who we're talking to, what you guys do for the band, and then we'll jump in. Sure. I'm Kevin. I sing and play guitar. And uh, I'm Jordan. I play drums. Nice and easy. Yeah. Um, love that. So, um. Uh, just for listeners, we're recording this. The album's only been out for, what, about four days, less than a week. Yeah, how's it been? Pretty good. It feels good to be uh, done and have it out in the world. It feels like we've been sitting on these songs for a little bit. I think we started writing, like, like fresh out of COVID, kind of, like when we could kind of start getting back together. I kind of remember writing some of these during like like quarantine time, so um, that's that's kind of where the start and stop point led with these tunes here. Yeah, it's starting to feel like COVID lockdown was was a long time ago, which is a good feeling. But also, I'm sure stuff you've been working on that long, you're excited to kind of get out into the world for sure. Yeah, um, how was the release show? Um, and pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> we were like. Maybe 20 shy of a sellout. Um, Hell yeah, that's Milk great. Boys cap is like 180, I think 200 technically, but even still, that was like way too many people up there. And it was <laughs> hot and stinky and nasty, yeah. but it was, it was, uh, it was a great time. And we that's played with our buddies in, um, uh, Studweiser and Honey Jar. Um, I think, you know, Dylan Gallimore from, um, his, his projects too. Lower so Edna. he's a good, we're he's big a... Honey Jar and Lower Etna fans oh, yeah. over here for sure. Yeah. That's cool. Releases I, um, are always fun. It's always people, you know, you haven't seen in a few years come out. And so it's, it's always, it's always cool to see, you know, the crowd. Yeah. But that was really exciting. It sound, it, it sounded like, um, like y'all had a great time. I'm bummed I had to miss it, but, uh, but I'm sure there will be more shows in, in the future for. Oh yeah. For yeah. We're, uh, we're going to gig this out until we're sick of it and then we're going to write more songs. So. <laughs> oh yeah. I love that. Just <laughs> soon. So yeah. <laughs> Um, we should get into talking about the songs, uh, before we get into them in particular, I think maybe, um, let's, let's talk a little more generally to start. I know I said in my intro, there's, there's a bit of a shift in sound and I don't think it's so drastic that, that fans of yours are going to, are like, you know, like what, what's this totally new band? Um, I don't think it's, it's that necessarily, but there's definitely something new going on here. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about that, that process and, and kind of what led you in the, in the direction that this album kind of took? Yeah, sure. Um, I think overarchingly, there's this through line in in rock music right now that's like this dancey boogie kind of style, <laughs> um, which is sort of inspired by like um, for us at least um, Royal Blood's most recent record, even like Paramore's most recent records mm. were like very like pop, funk, uh, you know, high energy drum driven. So like. Um, I think we kind of took a cue from that, but I, I do recall in COVID kind of trying to write a lot of these songs and um, they all had this theme of like being in, in drop D and kind of, you know, hammering on and off of like these, these like 
you know, boogie woogie kind of chords. So uh, it started there. And I remember shooting them a text being like, Hey, are you guys cool? Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm stuck in this, this thing right now. Is it cool if that's like the direction? And they're like, yeah, whatever. Let's, let's like, let's hear it oh, out and, and yeah. see where it goes. So, um, but yeah, I don't think it's like too drastically different from all of our other records. I think the focus for this record for me, primarily having been a band for 10 plus years is that like, Let's just like think about all the stuff that we had done before and think about what we can do differently this time around and, and just like incorporate anything um, in subtle ways just to like, you know, break that tradition from like, you know, we and we knew we're the band that has the bridge that like, you know, all the <laughs> all the instruments kind of drop out and like and then it's just Kevin and then he builds up. So like just avoiding kind of the old cliches and doing something new and just like kind of sticking to this like really fun um uh you know just just like no no answer was wrong anything that was kind of just like the the uh most fun or or like let's say easy like the 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 most natural thing to kind of happen was was the direction we took rather than kind of being weird or intricate and like going off and doing mm -hmm. something in different time signature which we've kind of done too so just straightforward rock and roll fun record is uh, was our goal and i think we accomplish that yeah i think i remember too you know you sent out the text we're going to write a boogie record or you know everyone came to the agreement that we're you know we're cool with that we want to move forward with that um and then coming into practice i think whether you want to or not kind of andorra's sound as a whole also rubs off on that sound that we were going for so it's not like it was just going to be okay we're going to write a boogie record and the two you know the melodies that everyone knows it's Andorra, you know, combined with with that, I think, at least personally. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I think as a listener, that's that's really obvious. It when I, I'm trying, I can't think of any examples that would not that would be like <laughs> friendly or like that, that wouldn't be kind of, uh, I don't know, passive aggressive to drop. But like there are instances where a band does a huge kind of sound shift and it feels really gimmicky. Um, and that's not what this feels like at all to me. It's it's it feels to me like a band who has really kind of locked into their sound and is doing something um, to kind of like expand and and I don't know if like if if challenge is the right word because I don't know how challenging <laughs> it was for you guys, but just to do something a little different, but still with your like <laughs> kind of like putting your stank on it yeah. still, if that makes yeah. sense. I mean, I think that's good to hear. I think it's, I think that's what we're ho hopefully all. Yeah. We're going for you know <laughs> we didn't want it to sound not like us and yeah. I, I think that came through it was actually really easy too like yeah uh like you would you know you pick up a, a guitar and you're like my my options are are limitless like there's there's so many ideas i could do but like we we did like you know it was like we were pigeonholing ourselves to like a specific thing so it was like we were three songs in and we're like okay like let's just lean into it even more so mm -hmm. All of those other songs kind of came very naturally um, after we were like, yep, let's go for it. So that's, that's kind of how it all shaped out. That makes sense. It's a swimming with the tide kind of like the way that it's the way that it's taking you. I've talked to a handful of of artists who have put who have released new music that they started working on during COVID, which I think is pretty common for, for folks. And the ones who seem to have had the most fun with it and the music that sounds the most kind of natural tend to say that that's sort of the like, that they kind of went into recording post-COVID, almost like kind of celebrating being back in the studio and being able to make music together and not fighting what feels 
more like you said, kind of like natural and just kind of going with it. So it's it's cool to see that as a theme with people making music right now. Yeah, I think it was a combination for us of, um, uh, I know our press release might make our 2019 album sound like a little bit more bitter than it was of an experience, but it was just a hard record to make because it was like, it involved a lot of um, research and, and like a lot of just like, like the the goal of that record, I think it ultimately became like let let's like jam this album with as many like um, different genres and styles of music as we can. So like, there's a song on Family Tree called um, "Made of Gold" that's like very Neil Young based. Mm-hmm. There's a song called "Everything's Moving" that's very um, let's dance David Bowie based. And like like I I felt like we had to like kind of go down those rabbit holes to figure out what those songs should sound like. And this was just like, let's do the complete opposite. That was like a lot of work. Um, and then we also mixed and mastered and engineered it all ourselves oh, too. So that was like a huge undertaking. If anybody's done that, they probably know. So this was just like, <laughs> let's work with a producer who's like our old friend from high school, who's kind of a bit of a goofball to begin with. And he's going to make us laugh. And like, we're going to enjoy our time in the studio and the music kind of just like, sort of really like fell in line with all of that as well that's that's very cool that's such a uh, i feel like you said fun and i'm gonna say it again um but i think that is the the feeling that really comes through with this album more than anything else is that it does sound like it was fun to make and it really sounds like it's going to be fun to see live and and for y'all to play so um yeah i think that's definitely comes through why don't we let folks listen um, to one of the songs and we can we can really start digging in. Um, what do you guys want to start with? How about touch?
So Touch is the second tune off this record. Um, this kind of came really organically, I feel like. Um, I don't, like, we talk about how sometimes we forget how songs were written in, like, <laughs> our practice space. And this is one of those songs where it's like, I don't really remember, like, thinking too much about this song. It just kind of was a song. Um, <laughs> the only things I kind of recall about it was, like, I, you know, I, I like, as a songwriter, you kind of just, like, go to open mics and you just try, try to figure out the structure of the song and, like, the the bones of it. And it, it, it kind of passes that test and you bring it to the, the band and then they're like, all right, well, how can we make our stamp on this? So this was kind of one of those songs and it was more chord based and maybe a little bit more acoustic. And I, like, I went into sharing it with them with an open mind just to be like, this is kind of a really loose idea. Um, but you know, let's, let's like riff on it. And, and like, I think it, it pretty much wrote itself in, in, in the same day. So. Yeah, I think between Touch, Guts, and, and Hidden Desires, those were really three songs that uh, I think came out of came out of COVID. Those were the first, I want to say the first three songs we wrote off the album. Um, and it's just like that kind of you have all this these built up ideas over time from COVID and um, you're really looking forward to get back and playing again. Um, and, and like Touch itself as a song just kind of drives the whole time. It's, it's almost full on the floor throughout the entire song. And I, I think that kind of speaks to just like getting wanting to get back out there play music live uh and this is a, a super fun one to play live so i think that kind of shows <clears throat> yeah hell yeah it comes um right on the heels of your the opening track brothers in arms which i think the last line is is it when will the band play is that yeah and then yeah. it kicks in and the song just i mean that's when the the band the plays band right, right. <laughs> really and they don't and it doesn't let up it's it's such a fun uh move between those two tracks um kevin you said that this song started is that your in general your process do you sort of work songs out kind of like in front of a crowd like you said with an open mic as like a beginning stage is that typical for you yeah i host a couple of mics in in town and just you know i guess that's you know i gotta play something right <laughs> as the host so uh, i figure why not play the indoor song so um sometimes i do stuff that I'm just still working through. Um, and, you know, as a songwriter, I think you want to bring your band something like that's just going to be, Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Like this song, that's great. You know, like you <laughs> kind of want your bandmates to have that reaction and sometimes they don't. So, um, you know, we, I, booze hounds is like a, a similar example, which is a, a song off, um, our second record that like, kind of wrote itself where it was like, I didn't really gig it out. I didn't really rehearse it in front of anybody. It was just like there. Um, and that was like, that's kind of like the, the white whale for me. Like I just <laughs> want to keep writing songs that will have my bandmates have the same reaction to. Um, and similar songs have kind of shaped out like that. But um, this one was like, I feel like I, I did, you know, gig this out a little bit, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't like a really strong idea. I feel like if I have a strong idea, then it's like, I'm probably going to be a little bit like stricter about like the, con the confines of like where I want it to go. But this one, I was just like, I don't know, like this is kind of how it, I think it's going to go. And um, it was like more like open chord based and, and like um, acoustic. And uh, they were like, Nope, let, let's just like make that like a big open E sort of like 
Rolling Stones, Memphis Rock mm-hmm. tune, and and it fell in line with all of the other tracks that we were we were writing. So it it was like, all right, let's let's make it happen. That's so interesting. This is a little bit of a tangent, but it it really struck me because I think so. I do my like my two main gigs are this one, and then I work with a comedian, um, Chris Gethard. I go on the road with him a lot, and com- when a Typically, you think of music kind of gets written and worked out in private, and then bands showcase the like polished final version of their songs, sure, yeah. and then they tour them into the ground. Comedians start out typically with stuff really rough on the road, and then once it's really polished, they either record a special or an album, and they never do those jokes again. Um, and so I, I always think about those two things working very differently, and it's interesting to talk to somebody whose process is a little more... Um, kind of like uh, rough and like workshoppy out in public. You don't see that as often. I think that's super interesting. Yeah, we, we've always kind of interestingly done that where we take, I'll say so long to record albums. You know, it's usually at least two years for us where we're <laughs> in some kind of stage of working on the record. But what that means is that you're done song, very done songs before the record is out. It might be a year before the record is out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, at least we choose to play shows on those, just those songs that we have. Um, so it can kind of feel sort of disconnected sometimes, but usually what ends up happening is by the time the song is released, we've been playing on it for so long, yeah. we start to change things live and add fun tidbits based off of how the crowd reacts or whatever. And so sometimes at the end of the album, we're left saying to ourselves, hmm, I wish we could have done that in the recording now yeah. that we have that little change live. But in the same breath, it becomes fun then to have something that only happens live too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we've we've always done that, and I think it's kind of a casualty of just you know putting a lot of work into the record and it, it taking a long time. You know, it's, it's fascinating. I think it's really unique too. You don't hear that a lot. It's very cool. Do you guys uh, have anything specific otherwise for to touch, or do you want to jump into something else? What sounds well, good to you? Yeah, I think. I think um, brothers in arms and touch sort of are our cousins in a way. Like <laughs> um, it's, I'm I'm very much of the mind. Um, Paul McCartney said this that you know he somebody interviewed him and asked him like, um, you know, do you, you, if you don't read or write music, how do you remember all this stuff? And he's like, well, if it's worth, if I can remember it, then it's probably worth while to like you know chase after that song, see whatever's at the end of that, and. Um, Brothers in Arms was kind of a song that that has been like this this chord structure thing that I've been playing for forever. <laughs> um, and um, uh, I guess I have to shout out uh, Jamie from Jamie and the Guarded Heart. And um, him and I have always had a really great relationship. And um, we we get together and talk about everything from like you know songwriting to, to marriage to life. But um, he he gave me like he he brought up this point of like going fishing with with uh when when songwriting and just having a guitar on your lap and just kind of seeing if something comes <laughs> and bites. yeah you can just you can sing something that's just topical on off the top of your head or or like maybe it's a melody that you find somewhere in all of it but um that this song kind of came from that and and, and it's very much it's it I never wanted to write a COVID anthem, but this <laughs> this song, in my opinion, is like uh, reflective of where I think everybody was during COVID and 
and how I just kind of thought like, if we could all just be together and just play, then I think everything would be okay. So every, every verse in brothers in arms is dedicated to one of the members of Andorra. So um, they all make an entrance on, (laughs) on the record when the lyric is about them. So um, second line is about Michael and you hear the bass kind of trickle in and then third line is about Dante. You start to hear him and then Jordan comes in at the end because he's, I, I saved the best for last, I guess. So. <laughs> That's very sweet and yeah. thoughtful. And I always like when the song is kind of like, there's like a little kind of like meta thing going on there um, where it's, it's doing the thing that it's talking about that way. That's really fun. So yeah, let's let people listen uh, to Brothers in Arms right here. in arms don't give a shit it's hard enough to keep relevant let alone win an argument you ain't too smart for your own damn good you're probably never gonna leave the neighborhood You should If you could Now you're traveling the world To much applause Along the way You met a couple of broads Don't you just because We'll get together every Sunday You haven't said much since the bill was paid When will the band play? Obviously, like just coming from from these two back to back, um, it sounds like you guys are really thoughtful too about sequencing um, for for your albums and kind of listening through this this album in general. Um, I've had probably a little more time with it than than a lot of our listeners will have had at this point. I'm guessing, and uh, I, I I've kind of felt that moving through. Um, do you want to jump into the? Guts is third on the track on the album, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think we do think about um, sequencing and and how that can be like flipped on its head when you're playing live and and how you're writing out a set list. Um, 
Mm. It's, it's not something that's like that, that I think we talk about every day, but um, for this, this record, I, I, I remember sending Jordan like what I thought was maybe a final, like a, a final run through of the record. And then I was like, you know, wait, let's, let's switch these two around and do it this way. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I guess, I don't know. Like, like, um, I think it was better that way, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I was, I was going to chime in with the same thing. Like, so you, you, there were, I think there was three iterations really quickly that the first iteration you, you sent us, maybe there's only two, I don't know, but you, the first iteration you sent me, I was like, I, I, I don't know, because I don't write the lyrics, I'm not as cued into maybe a, like a, a, the theme of the songs. And so when you first sent it to me, it was just so different than what the order I thought it was going to be. We had never discussed the order, at least that I remember. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, what is this order? I, yeah. And then once we actually put it together um, and then we, we moved uh, a song because we wanted to have the vinyl sides be correct. Uh, we wanted them to flow oh, in a certain funny, way yeah. where side two comes in hard and side one ends softly like we wanted it to be that way mm -hmm. or kevin did at least <laughs> and once we made that change specifically for the vinyl um it was just it the album flowed in my opinion so much better and i think now i i don't think i have any regrets as far as the way that the order came out i think it works great yeah i remember right off the bat you were like we're opening yeah, the record with an acoustic. But again, song. because I don't, you know, because I don't. At that, that time, I didn't even know the story, the full story behind Brothers in Arms. So yeah. it, it's it wasn't something that I was like, yeah, let's open the album with this. Right. But now looking back, it's like it's an obvious. Yeah, album. and again, that was something that we've never done before. So I just wanted to branch out. Like all of our openers on our records are just like big, elaborate, like theatrical kind of things, and this was it's kind of a dramatic thing, but it, you know, um, it's, it, it opens more like war on drugsy and gets into like a swamp rock thing rather, rather than like, this is, you know, I, I, you know, maybe we would open with, I don't know, va va boom in another world or, or, or without thinking of it. But, you know, this is, this is like just, just something different to set us, set the other records apart a little bit more. I really love when a, when a kind of constraint that doesn't necessarily have to do with the material, uh, or I guess, I mean, not that it doesn't have to do with the material, but I really like when, when a constraint that you wouldn't necessarily think about, um, ends up affecting something that way. Um, you know, you, I, I'm not a musician. I don't make records, but I imagine that you're not, always going into writing your songs thinking about what order they're going to be in and what you know um what side of the vinyl that kind of thing yeah. and it's cool when something like that can shift it and be like oh this this actually does make the whole thing overall better even though it wasn't something we were kind of uh counting on affecting things in the first place it's very cool yeah and it, it's not like either it's it's not like this is a concept album but it's fun when concepts i guess come out of the music or or when when an order lends itself to a certain concept you know kind of naturally where you're not going in and saying here is the exact story that i'm right. trying to tell
a lot of what what I've read about with you guys talking about the album with you talking about it now like I said I'm going to keep coming back to fun and 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 all of that but I think this song for me anyway is the one that really kind of exemplifies all of that it's this big it's got big like you can hear I can imagine what it's going to be like for when you have like folks at the show singing along with this one for sure it's almost it's got like kind of like um almost like a sort of musical energy if that makes sense in a way um in a way that i really like it's just like a very fun embodied kind of song i think yeah um well uh jordan's girlfriend sang on it and she's a musical theater nut so that that, (laughs) uh that certainly the spirit is there (laughs) yeah right and uh the and and she and and our bassist michael convinced me to do some singing on it as well yeah That's the second Andorra track I've ever sang on. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, and I think what, what we're re- referencing exactly is the, uh, the, the chorus shooby doobies that, mm-hmm. that were like kind of just a twinkle in my eye. And then it was like, okay, yeah, let's just, let's just go for it. And like I said, like this, we were just, and like no idea was a bad idea. So I was just like, yeah, let me just throw that out there and see what they think. Like it could be kind of cheesy. It could be it, the, just the right amount of cheese too. So, um, and I, and I think it is so, um, but, but yeah, that, that I remember being away from that, uh, recording session and, and we ended up doing some vocals back at, um, at Jordan and Michael's little studio where Jordan is right now, actually, but, uh, they, uh, uh, they just kind of sat down and, and started I think the placement was different, right? I think it, what it was yeah, originally I mean, was, it was that a that, completely different song. It yeah. was not, it, I mean, it was upbeat, but it, it was not the song that it is now by any means. And yeah, then the, the shooby doobies were in the, a verse. Yeah, and yeah then, the shooby doobies were like background noise in a verse. Uh, and then I don't know who it was. <laughs> um, probably Michael because he's incredibly musical, but um to, was like what just let's throw them in the chorus like they're because there's dead spaces right where kevin's vocals are not and they're they're in a consistent point each time and i remember like it, it was like one try and it was like oh that is that, the song. that's okay, where this goes cool. that's yeah. where this goes no more questions <laughs> yeah yeah and and uh i was not present for that and then they were yeah. like they were like you're gonna you're gonna love this thing, and I was like, I, I better love this thing. Yeah, but, we have uh, to have a bit, I guess. <laughs> but it was great, you know. And then what, like that song? I think we released in like July because we were doing like some singles, and mm-hmm. and I remember Michael saying like, "Oh, that's like a perfect like summer summertime yeah. song." So, um, and you know, we pretty much toured around the release of that song too. So it, it was like the hottest week of July. We were like, let's go <laughs> play and and get our gear stolen in dc and oh, the hottest no. day of the summer and but we're gonna do it all for guts so. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys had a, a gear theft uh oh yeah who hasn't though god so. <laughs> yeah i guess get it out of the way huh right yeah, yeah. It, it could it could have waited to not be <laughs> night one of tour one uh, for Andorra, yeah but <laughs> jesus <laughs> yeah i'm so sorry that is <laughs> we got a hotel room and we pretty much all like like there was two beds and we just like like all slept in the same bed like smelly and then like just like gig ridden i guess and then uh jordan was worried about like the timing for uh the parking right like the meter so he was like i'm just gonna set a really early alarm and like run out and go pay because i think i have to pay with quarters was was the thing so uh 
I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Like, if you could do that, that'd be great. I've been driving all day. So uh, he gets up when the alarm rings and then goes, and he's gone for like 20 minutes. I was like, like, something happened. (laughs) Something's Uh, wrong. And then he called me, and I was like, yeah, this I knew this was going to happen. So It is crazy that it's just kind of become a... a like almost a, a, a rite of passage in a really sad way yeah. for touring bands. <laughs> yeah. But whatever, you know, shooby dooby bop bop. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> shooby dooby the pain away. <laughs> I think now's a good time. We'll, uh, we will take a quick break. Listeners, um, don't skip ahead because there's lots of important stuff that you're going to want to know in the break. And then um, on the other side of it, we will talk more with our friends at Andorra. You're still listening to Left of the Dial. I'm still Andrea, and my guests today are still Jordan and Kevin from Andorra. And um, let's jump into another song. What do y'all want to talk about? I feel like losing it was really important for this record. Um, It was the first song that I wrote for this album.
Um, collectively, uh, I think as a band, our favorite song is Make It With You by Queens and Stone Age. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to write a song in that vein. And um, I, I basically, you know, sometimes it's like a roadmap. You just go, what song am I going for? And and you just kind of look at the chords and, and you sort of structure it or, or like put it in a different key. And that's where I was going with it at first. And it almost was like too much of like a rip off. So I was <laughs> like, let's maybe like, how do we, how do we jazz this up? So then some of the, like the blues licks that you hear throughout where we're kind of, you know, swaying it in the other direction to be a little bit more of an original tune. And um, I think I just had like the song written and it was just in like, like lyric books and then notes and stuff on, on my app. And um, it came together pretty quickly. Um, I realized very recently what I think I'm trying to say in this song. And um, it's, it's like, I kind of hate when like somebody who is technically older than you gives you advice because they are older than you. And thus they think they're a little bit more wiser than you, but mm-hmm. like, turns out like they're, they're, addicted to painkillers or something right like they they don't have their life in order right and they shouldn't really be giving you that kind of advice so Mm -hmm. um that's kind of what the song's about also just about getting older and and i think a lot about um my wife's grandpa with the song and just like kind of seeing him um just again get older and, Mm -hmm. and and not really being able to to go like like a spry chicken at 20 years old like you know he used to be so um but but yeah, I, I, I and like recording the song was a blast too because, um, you know, it was it was this crooner stoner rock kind of song that we were going for, and then um, our producer Tommy Leahy, who used to be in the band, just like super knowledgeable, um, can like really just define what you're going for guitar wise, and just I think throughout the whole record really helped us overarchingly with like dialing in really sick guitar tones but um in this instance he was like let's let's like go for like a ringo star muted uh-huh. drum kit kind of thing so it almost became beatlesy in a way um and um i remember we also like did a lot of live tracking for this and this song me michael and jordan all spent like a couple hours in the studio just trying to run through the song and i remember that being a little a little difficult and just tiring but um, we, we definitely got some good takes that we comped together eventually to, to like get a really good drum take here. That's yeah. Cool. I, w- I want to say the drums were one take, which is somewhat abnormal for us for this <laughs> song. Um, but the, yeah, like what you said though, doing the kind of muted drums for this, I think we had like, um, you know, blankets over probably, I think almost every drum for this one, um, which is not a sound that we've, that we've done before, but something that's always kind of interested me. Um, yeah, like, I, and then when you combine that with the the tones that that kind of Tommy and, and Dante were able to get, and kind of Dante's like haunting guitar part that plays throughout most of the song, it's it it became my favorite track on the album pretty quickly after the like studio productionized version of it was complete at that point. Uh, you said um, you did a lot of live tracking with this with this album in general or with this track in particular. Uh, yeah, um, not every song sort of got that treatment but we I, I feel like some of our our past records lack the energy of us in a, a live room like with with an audience there like in a, in a dirty venue you know like mm-hmm. we 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 were 
lacking that on some songs that I think deserved that treatment. So um, we wanted to we wanted to make sure that like there was songs on this record that had the energy of us playing live. Um, and uh, we had the capability to do it in like this, this, the space that Tommy had. So um, I think that was something that we were definitely looking for in, in recording this, this batch of tunes. I was going to say this for the end, but we can come back to it then too. When we covered leather jacket, um, I think uh, my, my sometimes co-host and I, uh, Jen, who's our editor in chief for the blog too, said uh, that it reminded us, us of a song that you would kind of, you'd be like sitting in a bar and all of a sudden this band would kick in and you'd kind of like turn your head and, and stop talking about whatever you're talking about and just kind of get swept up in this big kind of live sound being in the room. Um, and I think it really comes through on a, on a lot of uh, the tracks on this album, which is why I asked if it was every song or not. And it's it's cool to hear that you guys were being really kind of thoughtful about getting that sound on the album. I think it definitely comes through. Yeah. Cool. Hidden Desires to me set the standard when we were tracking because I'm, I'm pretty sure we did everything that day from drums, bass, yeah. guitar. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I was like, can we do every song like that? Like that was, you know, it's just like, there was an energy, like it, it, it really grooved because it was like, wow, like we're, we're in here. We're, we're excited about the song. Like it's very fresh. Um, like, you know, when, when time goes by after having like track something, you can kind of be like, oh yeah, I forgot what I did, but everything mm -hmm. was just so like consistent and just good vibes that it, it was like, let's keep this energy going. So, um, we tried to do that with the rest of the record, but you know, obviously like you, so you can get held up and, and like face some difficulties when it comes to like tracking drums or like, you know, you're, you're just not getting the take or like you have to spend more time on tone or, or whatever. But um, that, that hidden desires again, set the, the tone for me to want to be able to like, just have that energy and like that, that electricity in a room that I, I think was, was finally really like found on a, an, on a recording for us. Yeah, it's funny you it's funny you bring that up because I remember the day that we that we recorded Hidden Desires and you're totally right. It was it was I, I'm pretty sure all of the parts were, were all in one day, if not very close to all of the parts, which we never ever ever do. We I don't <laughs> think we've done that with a single track before that record. Um and I remember it was like a beautiful day, like we got like lunch and got beers in between recording, and like it was just such like an ideal environment to create music in. And, and it was the first track off the record. Um and and yeah, I, I think that it was just like such an interesting call out because I totally forgot about that day and it was definitely a different experience unfortunately than the rest of the tracks on the album I mean we, we definitely cut down on how segmented we were all like while recording it um with the rest of the tracks but specifically with it desires it was just like you know eight or ten hours of just kind of straight messing around with friends and making music and I think that I, th I think you can hear that in the track too yeah I think even if you can't get if you can't recreate or, or kind of live in that space with every song on the album starting with that energy as as the people making the album even because the listeners like I said you can you can hear it in this album for sure I think um but even but it's not like if I went through every single track I could be like oh this is obviously one that happened with all of them together in the room this right. is one where it's not it's not that um I, I don't think I'd be able to to pinpoint it that way and I that's probably because I I bet that it sort of um kind of put something in the DNA of the album start to finish when you go in with that kind of thinking. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's interesting though. 
Yeah, so that's um, that's that's losing it. You guys want to jump into uh, another song? Yeah, next <laughs> looks like Lava Loom. Correct me if I'm wrong, because I have the world's worst memory, but <laughs> with Vava Voom, at least some of it, or maybe like the second or third time you ever showed us the track was on stage at Grape Room when we were, I don't know if we were practicing or if we were doing, towards the end of COVID, we also did like some live sessions from the Grape Room stage while it was cool. closed, which that's is right. Cool yeah. to do. And I remember you, again, it was a completely different version of the song, but the bones were there. Um, and you played just this wild, I think, I guess it would have been the the chorus riff. Um, and getting to write that on stage at Grape was cool because we all have such fond memories of Grape Room and yeah, we play there all the time. So getting to write, you know, or or at least, you know, 
come up with the concept for that song and everybody else's parts on stage was pretty cool. Yeah, that definitely happened. I knew there was something <laughs> good. Like I, I, it was on the list for a reason. Uh, yeah. Um, I think at the time grape room didn't know whether it was staying yeah. or going. Oh, so wow. like, yeah. um, I worked there, I get to book shows there. Um, working there has paid my mortgage through COVID and, and on, and, you know, even now. So like, um, I love that place. I love scooters, uh, the owner there. And, um, you know, we get to, we get to rehearse out of there sometimes. And, um, I think in this particular time, we thought that like, this was going to be the, one of the last times we were there. Um, so we got together and just kind of ran through a bunch of new songs. We, we, we recorded a couple and I was like, Hey, I, you know, you mind if I show you maybe this new idea I have? And, um, it was, it was sort of the bones of Baba boom. Um, I don't think I had lyrics or anything at the time, but, um, I, th I think I needed a start with the lyrics. So again, I went to, uh, my friend Jamie and from Jamie and the guarded heart. And I was like, Hey, can you like start me off here? Give me like a melody or, mm -hmm. or like, or something. I don't, I don't really know what I want to say with this song. I don't, I don't just, just give me like a first lyric. And, um, he, he kind of wrote the first line there and then I was like, got it. Okay. I'm good. I'm going to, I know where I'm going with it now. So, um, that that's kind of, kind of all the juice that I can recall from Baba Moon. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of juice. I think it's, Man, I always, I, I love, I, it's a good thing I love getting to talk to people about the music they make because I do it so often, but it, I, I don't think I've talked to anybody. You guys have such a, like, it's, I, I mean, collaborative, sure, but it's also like a really, I don't talk to too many people who are like, uh, I started out with this song by bringing it to a bunch of open mics, and I started out with going to somebody else with um, an idea and asking them to kind of like, get the the jump off going um for me and i think it's a really interesting like kind of like open i always this is if people were play bingo with this podcast here's one for you guys or if this were a drinking game i always say <laughs> there are words i shy away from and one of them that i don't necessarily like to use but it feels right to me here is like it feels like a kind of vulnerable way of approaching songwriting um I, I think that a lot of people kind of keep their music kind of like insular and at least within their band until they feel like it's really ready to kind of like debut almost. Um, and to hear so many instances of you guys bringing your music out into the world um, that early, I think is really interesting. And, and yeah. Yeah. And I think as a songwriter, another thing that I tried to think about uh, this time around with this record was like, again what haven't we done before and and having released three records prior it's it's like you know we're not well i'm not like that young angsty guy anymore <laughs> like i i'm not like i kind of i kind of have to dig a little bit deeper to find stuff to write about you know like i'm a little bit more mature like i'm not i'm not exactly like angry i don't really have to scratch the surface and there's something there like i'm i'm digging a little bit and um i think all of these songs have have like a specific meaning and, and like there's there's something about them there that i felt like i had to write versus just like let's wind it all up again and do it all over this is mm -hmm. like you know and and it was just kind of the perfect storm of jamie finding like the the right lyric for me to be like oh this is the story that i knew that i had in me mm -hmm. it just it just needed to 
that just needed a head start, I guess. So I, yeah, I love that. I come from before I made podcasts, I was uh, an English teacher and a writing teacher. And so I'm always like a, I cut my like way into music is usually through the lyrics. And you're just reminding me of um, teaching like first year kind of freshman writers and sometimes just switching something up where it'll be like, like I'm, there's no reason I would be teaching a class now, but I'm like, it would be what a cool exercise to have somebody write the first line of a piece of writing and hand it off to someone else and then have them run with that and see where it goes. That's such yeah. a cool, um, yeah, way to approach that. I love that. So yeah, that was Vava Voom. Um, we've only got just a, a couple more with you guys. Um, what, uh, penultimately second to last, what do we want to talk about? I think, um, I think Fairmount Blues safe for the end, but leather jacket's a cool story. Eh? So around like 2018, 2019, um, our producer, Tommy Lay, he, he had asked uh, myself and Michael Trececki, our bass player, to sit in on a couple shows with him. He's, he moved back from Nashville and he was just looking to gig out his record. So we did a couple dates with him. And one of the songs on that, on that album was called Denim Jacket. Mm -hmm. And 
um it was just you know it's just this awesome like four on the floor fast-paced rock and roll song and um michael like really loved this song so uh he he was asking me to ask tommy um if like we could have this song because uh <laughs> it's i a think necessary piece of information that he 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 was no longer playing this song. yeah right <laughs> he, he's, his brain works very interestingly and he he often just like throws away his songs wow. um and and the ones that he loves, he just like keeps recreating them in, in different ways and different formats. So like um, this particular song, Denim Jacket, did not really make the cut for, mm -hmm. for like a redo, I guess. So it was like, yeah, sure, you can have it. So he, he essentially gifted us this song um, and um, kind of couldn't be happier with it. It's, <laughs> it's just like a, a real raging rock and roll tune. So oh, yeah. Um, uh, we changed a couple things about it. We 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 nitpicked and and like had our way with it. But um, I think the most obvious thing was that we changed it from denim jacket to leather jacket because we just had to put our little spin on it. And yeah. I think there's something a little bit more dangerous about a leather jacket <laughs> versus a denim jacket. So, um, but but yeah, I mean, and it's a song that Michael and I have a, a duet on. Um, I don't think that there's any other Andor songs besides. Uh, this track called Turn Me from our first record that has a duet with uh, this guy named Steve Angelo who has been like a mixing us and, and tracking us for years and plays in uh, uh, the color Fred and and uh, um, so so other other than that like you know Michael and I have had duets but it's usually like you sing the first verse and, and I'll sing the second verse or like I'll pop in for this moment but this was like kind of scattered in a way where it's like I'll sing the first line and you finish me off and then mm. you know we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth like that so um that's and it was michael's idea so i was like yeah i guess i guess you have to sing on it so <laughs> i guess uh, you got the song so i guess yeah. you could sing on it that's see there it is again it's another it's you guys have such an open like this, this sounds really cheesy but just like it, it seems like a really open-hearted way of approaching music i i love that and all of this really cool interesting unique stuff comes out of it from that so it's very interesting. I've said interesting a million times, but I'm just I'm just finding it all. I'm very interested by all of it. I don't uh, want to be boring. <laughs> you guys have this really boring way of approaching music, and I'm honestly really bored, so I don't know what to tell you. Now, we talked a lot about Leather Jacket um, when we when, when Jen and I featured it, and it's, uh, like I said, I've listened to this album a, a ton in the last couple of weeks. Um, it just kind of keeps keeps finding its way back into my my rotation and, and leather jacket is one of the ones that I keep going back to especially it's it's like you said it's just like a big rocking song it, it it's a song that feels like it belongs on a lot of playlists if that makes sense like it it feels like it can kind of uh kind of like kick the door in and fit in um in a lot of different ways but it feels really original and 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 like its own thing too um yeah. which I think is a hard balance to yeah hit but i think what one of the things you had said when you reviewed it was like it like a band playing in a venue that probably should be playing like a bigger venue or something <laughs> like that which i really appreciated but but i just i wanted to mention that because i think that um for me making records and like the creative process is like is awesome it's always fun like just the collaborative kind of you know, the, all of the, that goes into that is, is like one of my favorite things, but nothing really tops just like a slam and rock and roll show. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I really think like 
first and foremost, we're, we're a live band. So um, anytime we get to be gifted songs or, or write songs that uh, we know we're going to like really get the crowd going, I, I think like that's, that's like, that's the best part about crafting your songs so you can go in and, and, and rip them live. So um, like, I, that's, I, I just think that like, you know, we're, we're certainly a live band and you, you, you have to really see us in that environment to understand some of some of the, the quirks and the qualms about like how we are when we are sort of recorded and a little bit more diluted, I guess. Yeah, I, I think losing it is is just so much fun to play live. Like you know, losing it might be might, might be my favorite track on the album, but leather jacket. Whenever that song comes around on the set, it's like no matter no matter where you are mentality wise with that set, I feel like that song can kind of recover things and get the crowd involved and um i th- I think it'll continue to be that way just because it's it's just a bat a blast to kind of rip through that track yeah i it sounds like it from the listener's side again it was it was really the first thing that struck me i was like you can tell that this is a song that the band is excited to get in front of people with for sure yeah and i think having not written it does that too like it's it's it feels like a cover almost That's and like you know it, it just like makes it all that more fresher because it's just it's it's ours now but mm-hmm. we didn't really write it but <laughs> it's ours so <laughs> yeah that's such a that is you you said leather jacket is a cool story and you aren't you aren't lying that's i love that I, I i love everything about that i don't know you know it is funny too i thought about this the other day how you know a huge majority of pop artists buy their songs or have songwriters, right? And like, I've always had the the opinion or at least like an internal thought that like, you know, I don't know that I could ever really do that. Like, I feel like I would need to write a song. And now I'm like, well, okay, you know what? Hold on. <laughs> I, I, I could get behind this. Yeah, yeah. it's must work. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cool too that it seems like it, it happened pretty organically. It's not, you guys yeah. weren't just out like shopping, you know? It's something that kind of came to you. You're like, actually, I think this is probably our song now. Like. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not going to take care of it, we'll adopt it and give it a good home. So I think that's that's a little different. I have no qualms with I, people making music the way that they need to make it. And if for some people it's, you know, buying <laughs> all of their songs for somebody as long as they're not, uh, uh, as long as, as people are being honest about it. Um, yeah. You ever to... see those TikToks where it's like, it's like somebody's like, career making song and it's like so and so almost had that song and it's like <laughs> holy shit really like i saw one with like rihanna's umbrella somebody might have had that before her and they were like nah i'm, I'm gonna pass on that one and he's like, well, thank god you did because that's yeah. Cause it's, it's so fascinating because it's like instances like that as an artist are you like thank god i passed on that song because obviously that's rihanna's song right nobody else should be singing umbrella um but at the same time, is it like, is that the song that would have popped off for that artist? You know, sure. yeah. it's like um, Will Smith was supposed to be Neo in the Matrix. And it like brought it brought uh, Keanu Reeves back into the, the public uh, conversation. Yeah. And now he's the biggest star ever again because of that. So it's like that stuff is so interesting. Inter- really interesting. It's yeah. the theme of the episode today. Fascinating. That's a synonym you for you. There's a new one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, it's intriguing. So, so yeah, so we do only have one song left to talk about. But before we get into it, uh, you guys want to let us know 
um, what you got coming up. If there's anything, I hate to ask people when their album has just been released. Uh, I think it'll be two weeks when when folks are listening to this, but uh, what they're working on. But like anything you want to share with folks, let them know where they can find you. I'll drop links for the album and all of that um, in the show notes too, of course. Yeah, sure. You can probably find us everywhere online <laughs> um, with a backslash Andorra music. Um, pretty active on socials. And uh, we have a show coming up February 24th, the Falder Club. Um, probably going to be playing a lot of the record then. And um, yeah, uh, there's a documentary that we released uh, that's uh, kind of like a history of this band for the past 10 plus years and check that out on YouTube. And uh, yeah, just keep streaming the record. We really would appreciate that. Hell yeah. yeah. And then I guess I have one additional thing hot off the presses as of like four hours ago. Um, <laughs> we should be potentially getting this print um, cut on vinyl. Hell yeah. Um, as we mentioned earlier. So uh, if you come out to the next show, there's a very good chance that you can pick one up if you're interested. That rolls. That rolls. Um, the 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 documentary is is really fun because you guys clearly there's like a lot of uh footage and stuff from your very very early days it's it's really fun to watch a band um and y'all were young (laughs) when you started right like yeah jordan and i started this band in august of 2010 so um that's our first show we played this little neighborhood bar around the corner from us and uh sort of been holding on to dear life to keep doing this thing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So definitely uh, we'll drop a link to the documentary too. It's uh, it's, it's really fun to watch. Um, and yeah, of course we're at left of the dial FM on Instagram, left of the dial PC on Twitter. Everything else is in the ad break, which I know you all listen to. Um, so I'm not going to repeat anything. And yeah, I'm at AQ Andrea Q everywhere. I, I can't believe we only have one more song. I feel like I could talk to the two of you forever. This has been so fun, but I guess yeah, we got it. The only one left on your list is um is Fairmount Blues.
Fairmount Blues. Um, you know, I guess when we halfway through the record, we were pretty much like, let's call this what it is, right? Like, let's <laughs> let's say let's the album's going to be called Boogie Boogie Night Blues, right? We we were pretty much certain that that was going to be the name around like the halfway point of making this, and Fairmount Blues was one of the last songs to kind of come from it. So naturally, I think you need a song like this to really like nail down the fact that this record is like a blues rock record. Right. So, um, you know, it's like that six, eight kind of swung slow blues thing, Stevie Ray Vaughan sort of vibe. And, um, you know, what really inspired it was, was a couple things, a couple different trips to Memphis with Greg mm -hmm. Sover band. Um, and, and my dad actually, um, it feels like maybe I, I I didn't do a lot of lyrical writing on this, um, but he he wrote this song. Um, so Your dad, he, my dad did. Yeah, um, oh, wow. a little bit of what, what do you call that? The 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 parents that like try to get into all the things that you're into. <laughs> you What's got a thing? helicopter dad. Is yes. that it? <laughs> He's, my dad's a little bit of a helicopter dad. Um, but that rolls. I love that so yeah, much. I love him for it, and and he was like, "Hey, I've been working on this song, and it's it's like." been on the same crumpled piece of paper since i was 16 and 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 like oh, i'm an like, easy yeah. crier and this is gonna get me choked <laughs> up i love that well oh, yeah, my it's been like this thing that he's had forever and i was like okay you know whatever but too cool for school at this point <laughs> and then you know next record rolled around totally forgot about it so and then you know he's su super into blues music so um i was like okay maybe maybe it's time like let me let me see that so uh <laughs> snatched it out of his hands and and i was like um okay this makes no sense what are you saying here like <laughs> i don't know where you're what you're going for with this so um i i kind of you know re reconfigured it a little bit 
um and he'll give me shit about that he'll be like you you, you like <laughs> you ruined my messed song. up my song and i'm like <laughs> well if it wasn't for me this song wouldn't even been uh-huh. put into existence but you know we, whatever we, we get at each other about it but um yeah you know he he had like a lot of ideas for the song and i was like you know what i think like i'm just gonna i'm gonna go this direction with it and like when when it's done you'll hear it then and like <laughs> you'll know because um there's some there's some lines in there that are just like very much um, neighborhood things. The song is called Fairmount Blues, mm-hmm. based out of the the neighborhood in, in Fairmount, uh, around the art museum area. Um, but like you know, he's a neighborhood guy. Grew up with like other neighborhood guys, mm-hmm. a little rough around the edges, but <laughs> um, you know, good-hearted people, just like working-class Irish kind of folks. And uh, um, they just had sayings back then, and like you know, they they were uh, like if you were blind your name would be blind Joe, like, (laughs) you know, just like really old school kind of stuff. And, um, you know, uh, one of his friends always had the line, uh, bad breath is better than no breath at all. (laughs) So, um, little, little gnarly, but like you think about it and you're like, okay, that's, that's actually like in your own weird way, in your rough and tough way, like that, that kind of means something, you know, you'd rather be living right now the way you are, um, rather than, you know, six feet under. So, mm-hmm. um, that's, I guess that's, that's how that comes together. And, um, with, with like the help from Jordan and Michael, um, this, I think it was the last song that we wrote. So, um, and at, at the time it felt like maybe, I don't know if this was going to work or not, but, um, it, it, it found its way in our sets and then it, it just like, it became like another rock song for whatever reason. My, I think the first time we got together to write it, we were like, I was, I felt like, Oh, because it's like, you know, the last song, it, it's like this, this slower kind of tune. Like it, 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 it lacks a little bit of the punch that say like leather jacket has, but like live it, it like recently it's just been like, no, like that's, that's a closer. And like, that's, that's like, that's the one, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I will fully admit, uh, I think maybe Michael to to being pretty opposed to the song when you brought it to <laughs> us, and and not only not even like when you brought it to us, but I feel like even like playing it like the like first or second time we ever kind of went through it, and then I think once we recorded it, like even going to the studio, I was like, I, I remember talking to you. We, we went to a practice space like the day or the week before we were. I was going to the studio to do drums for it. And I was like, are we sure about this? <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to play a blues song. You know, it's not something that I've ever sat down and like tried to do or have time to learn or anything. Um, but then I don't know, it, it came together in the studio. It wasn't wasn't nearly as bad as, as I thought it was going to be to play that kind of way. And um, and then, yeah, I don't know what happened the last like two, maybe three shows. Um, it, it, it really the crowd it receives it well. It's a lot of fun to play think you know for Dante and especially Anthony our keyboardist like it's a lot of fun to play for them because they get you know <laughs> you know a full two or minute or minute or two of solos <laughs> yeah. in there so um yeah it's definitely transformed into something that's um yeah a lot of fun to work with it's, it's cool to hear the post what the like post and it's it's kind of how we open this episode so it's fitting that that your songs do take on this 
complete other. And I think that's that's the case for a lot of bands, right? It's not that, you know, I said uh, you wait until you've got the most polished version of your songs to bring it out for people typically. But I also think that you hear a lot about bands saying songs kind of get a new life once, you know, post-release once they're out in the world and are actually touring them. So I don't I don't mean to like dismiss <laughs> other bands who don't um, who don't look at their music that way, but it is really cool to to hear about this uh, kind of like new, different sort of life that some of these songs have taken on. Um, now that they're out in the world with people, it's very cool and interesting. Yeah, I think that's always been something that's interesting to learn as you write music. That some some people will say it's easy to write the hits, but <laughs> I, I think more often than not, like it. It, a, a song that you write becomes sometimes a hit when, when you least expect it mm -hmm. to, when you're like, oh, I'm just going to put this out, you know, the filler for the record, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you hear that, like, it's, you know, the most played song or whatever. Um, and I, th I think that happens a lot. I think we had to happen on second record, maybe, um, maybe even the third. But yeah, so sometimes it's the songs you least expect. And, you know, while it might not be the hit or maybe it's more fun to play than others or whatever it might be. So it's always it's always changing. That's very cool. I am am uh, contractually obligated to bring up Fallout Boy whenever my co-hosts aren't here to make fun of me for it. And they have historically their singer, his least favorite song on the album is always the one that blows up and becomes the like. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. That, that's I think you put it better than I than I just did, which is that it's often the the the, the songwriter's least favorite uh -huh. song. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. You never know. This has been yeah. so, so, so much fun. Um, thank you guys so much for joining me here on Left of the Dial. Um, listeners, you can pick up Boogie Night Blues now. Uh, links in the show notes to do that. Make sure you check out Andorra at their next show. And uh, yeah, we'll keep you posted on, on all things Andorra coming up. This has been Left of the Dial. I've been your host, Andrea. Um, Kevin and Jordan have been my guests. And um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next week. And if I don't see you Left to the dark. Left to the dark.